Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Under the Hoodies. I'm Bill Kegel. I'm joined tonight by Tony, whatever he's going by, Nicola. So, all right, the terrible intro. Tony, we got to come up with a better intro, by the way. And by we, I mean me, because I'm the one that doesn't. But how are you tonight, bud? Okay. Um, I wonder if we're having technical difficulties already. Oh. All right, there we go. Now oh. Tony's patched in. Tony, sorry about that. We tried a new way to get you in, and it uh, didn't work. So let's start over. Welcome to the Hoodies. I'm Bill Kegel. I'm joined by Tony, whatever he's going by. Nicola, what's happening, buddy? Uh, not much, man. That's, that's great. Take two. Let's, let's get this going. Let's have some football. I'm ready. Yeah, I didn't know calling out from the server would automatically put you on hold when you and I have been talking for the last 10 minutes. It's it's, it's a weird thing. But server issues aside, which uh, are currently being addressed, um, let's just get right into it. Well, first thing I want to say, I want to do some, uh, I guess, um, some uh, whatever retra- in retractions there. Uh, the John Murphy episode last week. I have to address something. John Murphy, great guy. All right, awesome for coming on. But there's two things I thought that he said, and that that was, I thought that this, on some small level, some very small level, that there was some sort of correlation between Odell Beckham, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Tony. Odell Beckham uh, incident, which is, you know, now old news, and then Sammy Watkins, very small, but semi sort of similar incident last year. Um, uh, He said there wasn't much of a comparison there. Um, And again, I am in no position to disagree with the man. But it isn't going to stop me from disagreeing with him. Um, I thought that there was one. Um, but, Tony, what did you take away from that? Did you think that there was one, or am I, uh, am I just being a sensitive Sue over here? No, I, I definitely think there is. Um, I don't think it's the same level to back them by any means, especially with Buffalo being a smaller no, market. No, no, no. You know, besides yeah, yeah. Rex, you know, there's not much media attention paid to them. But, yeah. I, right. He's – he's drawn some criticism his way and it's well-deserved. I mean, at one point the guy's complaining about his touches and this is a guy who hasn't been able to play 16 full games. It seems every time he complains about getting the ball, being more involved in the offense, he goes down with a hamstring injury or an ankle injury or whatever minor ache and pain keeps him out for a few weeks. Right. And um, so, yeah, he did complain a little bit on Twitter. That was a weird little situation last year. And the other one was, um, and this is going to be quick, and I'm more, just, I'm more just saying this to sort of get your opinion on this, Tony, and, and, and hopefully this makes me a better interviewer. And um, because with, with those two things, I thought I, with these two things, I thought I did a good job on, you know, remembering it. I thought I, thought I, I, thought I did a good job uh, filling the questions out. But if I didn't, I'm more than welcome to hear some uh, – some criticism or whatever, and uh, I know you'll be one of the first ones to give it to me, Tony, but um, the other one was the EJ Manuel, uh, the Bills not picking up his option. I actually, after that show, I actually looked it up, and the Bills did say in uh, May that they weren't going to pick up EJ Manuel's uh, uh, team option and allow him to be an unrestricted free agent come this offseason. Um, so I thought that was a weird one, too, but um, – but that's okay. John Murphy is like again. He was a saint to do this, do it for us. He was very good. He gave us really good answers. And um, you know, technical difficulties aside, I think everything went okay last week. So I uh, just wanted to put a little bit of a bow on that and uh, and uh, selfishly get a little bit of a closure for myself because uh, it was it was a tough moment for me in my very 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 brief 
I'd probably say very like 80 more times, um, you know, podcasting uh, endeavor. I would even call this a career. Um, the second we make a nickel off of this, I'll call it a career. But uh, until then, um, I won't. But, yeah, I, I just thought that was two things that were a little, uh, you know, just uh, something that, I, that, you know, if anybody that knows me knows I'm a little neurotic and I, uh, I thought about that and I've chewed on that for uh, eight days now. And uh, I felt like getting it out here and uh, just sort of getting your feedback, Tony, would uh, provide uh, me a little bit of closure and um, sort of, uh, you know, end that uh, yeah. end that show and, and then start this one. I can see it from John Murphy's perspective, too, because he works for the Bills. He has to tow the company line. A thousand percent. But I, I, it, yep. it's, it's very well known they're not keeping E.J. Manuel up this year, or else why would they draft Cardell Jones in the first place? And it's yeah. it's the Bills' fault too for the the lack of establishment or maturation of EJ Manuel. I mean, they traded up to draft him. They took him way too high. Expectations were put on him way too early. He wasn't ready, and you know, somewhat derailed his and he career. Was I think it changed the staff. Yeah, a change yeah. of scenery will be the best thing for him. I think. Yeah, and it was a different coaching staff. Doug Marone, I didn't think, did a real good job of fostering him. I don't think he did a good job of um, of uh, developing him. And it was kind of like, all right, and I don't even know if he wanted to take him, in all honesty. I mean, that seemed to be Doug Whaley's guy. Um, and luckily, the defense for the Bills have been, has been so good for uh, three of the last four years that it really hasn't made a difference in Doug Whaley's career because the Bills have, you know, whatever you want to say, underachieved, overachieved, whatever. I mean, they've been right at 500 the – last three years so um and look like they're uh they're heading that way as well um this year so i don't know um i don't know with manual so uh anyway we're gonna we're gonna drop that um also i gotta stop saying um apparently because people that have never done this have pointed out that they say um too much so tony if you want to tell me i say um too much but uh that's fine but uh you know some of the people we may or may not work with uh i'd like to point out that i say um a lot and that's you know whatever i'm working on it I wouldn't uh, the feel people that, too bad about it because yeah. I listen back and yes. you do um and I tend to sigh right before I have a thought or I take a breath, which is very audible. Yeah. So we each have our own yeah. quirks that we need to work on. Well, plus the guy that said this is uh, he may or may not be a uh, infant um, primate of of sorts. So that's fine. Um, you know, you'll figure out who that is <laughs> based on that, Tony. But. Uh, Oh, all people that criticize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I love the guy, but Jesus, man, come on. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, all right, um, again. You know what, Tony, how about you? What do you want to talk about first? Uh, I think we should talk about Brady coming back, and it doesn't look like the guy's collected any rust whatsoever. I, he, the guy looked as sharp as ever in midseason form. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? He's a bona fide Hall of Famer. He came back and just trounced the, the Browns. It was it was bad, as I, as I somewhat predicted. The only thing that the Browns had going for them is that they can't score a ton, so New England kind of took their foot off the gas at the end. Has there been a team in the, in the league more unlucky at quarterback than the Browns? I mean, the Browns have had how many quarterbacks? How many people take snaps this year? Five in, in five games? That's kind of yeah, sad. Yeah, five I mean, if you count Terrell Fryer. Yeah, yeah Terrell Pryor is a couple passes. So, yeah, but um, but yeah, and I mean, even what more a, credit what a to perfect Terrell game Pryor for Brady. He's having a good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Um, I was gonna say. Uh, 
it's a good the Browns are a good a good team for Brady to come back against. I mean, it's a good tune-up team. I think that that was uh, really just what the doctor ordered. And then, you know, when their schedule starts getting tough, er, then uh, they will, you know, it, it's just, you know, Brady will be back to being Brady if he wasn't already. I mean, if he had to come back and play the Broncos in week five, obviously his week doesn't go quite as well. And I think we're talking about Brady being rusty. But since he got to play the Browns and, uh, you know, they play hard, Hugh Jackson coaches them well. But you can't overcome the uh, you can't over uh, overcome a a complete lack of talent um, that the Browns have. So I think it's perfect. I think it's an absolute perfect team for Brady to come back to. Oh, absolutely. I'm trying to look at their schedule yeah, here right now, point. but uh, the, the yeah. game I can't We're wait for is when the delay. Patriots. Oh, yep. But I can't wait for uh, when the Patriots play the Steelers. It's actually in a couple weeks at Pittsburgh, and that's probably going to be the game of the year, you know, offensive the playoffs. That'll be a true test to, you yeah. know, who's the top dog in the AFC. And as for much as people yeah, are I complaining think... about the ratings being down, I'm, that game is going to do gangbusters. It's a, it's the late afternoon kickoff, CBS, and that'll do huge numbers, I'm sure. Right. And, the and you know, it's I think Denver – you can't overcome a you can't overcome average quarterback play. I mean, Denver's defense is good. You know, Peyton Manning, as bad as he looked physically, mentally was just still still as sharp as a tack last year. I think that helped a lot. They did lose some pieces on defense, but they didn't lose their total defense. But I do think that the two classes of the AFC right now are the Patriots and are the Steelers. Um, the Steelers the Steelers are gonna have two more games like that. You know, no team's gonna finish perfect. Every team's gonna lose. It's not a big deal, I, you know. Elite teams, you know, go thirteen and three, fourteen and two, so they do lose twice. You know, oh, yeah. and just that's for at, the you know bona fide rare air. So it's fine. It's not a big deal look at the that the Steelers both teams have a the loss. Eagles. The Steelers and the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Eagles blew the doors off Pittsburgh. Which looking at it now, I mean, yeah, Philly's got a good team, but it still doesn't make any sense. Pittsburgh looks like the best team in the AFC. Yeah, that's the kind of game where you just burn the game film after and just look at it as like an anomaly. Right. And it might be, I mean, it, it just might be, I mean, um, you know, Philadelphia, uh, you know, they, they had their first bad week this past week. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Against but Detroit, uh, no, no back less. to the Steelers and back. Yeah. And back to, well, back to the uh, Patriots and back to the Steelers. I do think that that is a, probably an AFC championship preview, barring any kind of catastrophic injuries. And I will say for the Steelers, Good on them for picking up Carlos Williams. I was wondering when that guy was going to get claimed after a suspension was over. Um, he had a weird thing with the workout with the Bills. I have no idea what the hell that was about. Um, he did, and then he didn't. And his wife was tweeting weird things, and that whole situation got a little weird. Wow. So he's on the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad right now, and the Giants are in desperate need for a running back, and he was out there. Very confused what happened there. If uh, they were yeah, at him, or I, I have no idea. That's a swing and a miss for the Giants, for sure. I mean, Pittsburgh has already got two great running backs, and now the rich just get richer, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, that's not going to solve all Pittsburgh's issues, but they do have some uh, some defensive issues. Uh, they, they have a little bit of trouble getting to the quarterback, and their run defense is uh, – borderline horrid so uh, but anyway let's stick to the Patriots I keep I keep uh keep going off on tangents about other teams so the Patriots um I really think it's funny because before the game there was like oh there's a disconnect between Brady and Martellus Bennett and it's funny how the Patriots do this 
happens a little too often to be a coincidence, which is, you know, there were things right now. Uh, Brady didn't throw to Martellus Bennett much in the preseason, et cetera, et cetera. Then he comes out and throws two or three touchdowns to him and has five catches, and Martellus Bennett has the game of his life. And, um, you know, and, and Brady, you know, looks like a 31-year-old version of himself. And it, it's just sort of interesting how the Patriots do this, you know. It's like, oh, this guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the guy comes out and he's freaking gangbusters and he's, you know, 100% just dominates, you know, whoever they're playing. It's just funny. That's a great example of what the Patriots do well is he's not throwing to Martellus Bennett. Smash cut to Martellus Bennett catching – Three touchdowns. I think he had five total passes, um, like eight targets, something like that. And they couldn't look uh, like they, they look like best of friends on the sideline. So bizarre, right? I mean, the Patriots do this, and are they still They're so by the good way, at taking other teams' castoffs like that? Like Martellus Bennett when he was in Dallas, and when he was with Chicago, the guy just had potential through the roof, and you always saw glimpses of it, but he just never fully realized it. And then you stick him with Brady and Belichick in that system, and now he he looks like an all-world tight end. And him and Gronk together are just a perfect combo. And then Edelman underneath, like, and Brady just makes everything work. It makes the entire offense click now. And it looks just so much more potent with him back. Right, and Chris Hogan, too. I mean, Chris Hogan had, had yeah, a, another couple example. Nice day, a, a couple nice catches. Well, Buffalo could have matched his restricted free agency offer sheet, and he, uh, he didn't. They didn't. I don't get it. If the Patriots come to town and they're like, hey, we're going to offer this guy some money, they're in your division, pay them it. Pay, pay Chris Hogan. He, he's going to come back and burn them, I feel like. And I, I, just, yeah. don't, I just don't know. I just don't know what they were and thinking. Like, I, I don't know if they're the thing, too. not smarter. You pay, for him. you pay for him not so much so he's great for your team, but so he doesn't go to the Patriots and burn you when you play him. Yeah, I have this theory about Victor Cruz. Remember Victor Cruz is an unrestricted free agent? I never – or, you know, he's a restricted free agent, excuse me. Um, I never understood why Washington didn't drive his price up and force the Giants to overpay him. I don't know why teams don't do that more often. I wonder if they're just afraid yeah. of having to overpay a player or something like that. I mean, I would assume that's the reason why. But if Washington was smart, the Giants did not want to lose Victor Cruz. Um, Victor Cruz's agent, agent isn't really that great. I mean, he's being represented by Jay-Z's agency, so they didn't exactly do a great job with his contract anyway. So if I'm Washington or I'm Dallas, I, I thought Washington specifically, they're, they're the kind of team that would do a thing like this. Why didn't they just offer him, just jack his price up and make the Giants match it and sort of just you know yeah. hamstring him a little bit with the salary cap? It seems like a weird competitive advantage you would think a team had thought of. But again, I mean, maybe they just don't want to you know, maybe they just don't want to, uh, you know, tie themselves in the salary cap like that. But since when the hell does Washington care about that thing, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, when is Dan Snyder worried about spending money on, you know, overpriced veterans? And at least you get, you know, you get Cruz in his prime. Right, right. Obviously, this is pre-knee injury. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting um, that, uh, that the Bills didn't match Chris Hogan's offer sheet. The Patriots come to town. It's like, if Greg Popovich calls your team or R.C. Buford, the GM of the Spurs, calls your team and is looking to make a trade, you just hang up the phone. Don't, don't trade with them. What the hell are you doing? So when the Patriots come to town, offer one of your, you know, they, they would kill for Chris Hogan right now. I mean, with Watkins out. But you offer your number three receiver who has, you know, some, somewhat of a number two upside on a, on a uh, you know, a thin wide receiver core. 
why they come to town, they offer a guy, you know, at a position that you're super thin at an offer sheet and they're in your division. They've been kicking your ass for the better part of a decade and a half. You match it. I, I, it doesn't make any sense, but that's what the Patriots do so well. Barkevius Mingo, I swear to God, I, I have a feeling he's going to have some moments in, in new England. Um, I just think that they do such a good job with that. I, they just, they're pro, they're pro, their pro scouting department is, is insanely good. Like they just find these guys. Remember a couple of years ago, um, they got, a um, Adelius Thomas from Baltimore. He contributed a yep. little bit. I think he was a little bit of a flop, but he did, he did have some significant moments for them. Um, I mean, there's just, there's just countless examples of this. And I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Just you, you can't, you're never going to be able to count that team out. That team is 1000% going to be in the AFC championship minimally or the Super Bowl every year in the AFC until until Tom Brady's body decides it's old, which at 39 years old doesn't look like that's happening. Yeah, well, especially now, too, with Peyton retiring. I mean, the way I look at it, there's only three quarterbacks in the AFC that could take him out, and Joe Flacco, who's on a Ravens team who maybe has an outside shot at a playoff spot with a wild card. Uh, Pittsburgh definitely has the best shot with Roethlisberger. And then Philip Rivers, who is just in the abyss, we call the San Diego Chargers, and for whatever reason can't get out of there. I know one and four, god awful team, all the tail in the world, but the GM can't put around them. So yeah, it's basically oh, it's almost, you know Brady or Bucks out of the AFC, unless Roethlisberger has something to say about it, which I definitely think he, he you know he does for sure. I can't wait for that matchup in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Fitzpatrick isn't isn't doing anything. I like Tyrod a lot. I disagree with the assertion that Colin Cowherd said that uh, Tyra Taylor is the fourth-best quarterback in the division. I think that's, that's one of the more ludicrous things he's ever said, and that's kind of insane coming from uh, say about a guy like Colin Cowherd. But, yeah, he said, he said uh, Tyra Taylor is the fourth-best quarterback in that division. I actually think he's second, and I really don't think it's close. I'd rather have Tyrod over 50 for sure, and then I'd rather have you and I or any guy in a pickup football league over Ryan Tannehill right now. He just looks, he just looks lost. Um, yeah, you know, I've never it, seen just, a guy regret but, that badly. It's pretty it's terrible. I don't know what he's doing out there. Yeah, with right with a quote unquote offensive genius as your uh, offensive coordinator, and Ryan Tannehill, I guess, is the quarterback is the, still the card is going to be remain the starting quarterback for the rest of the season for them. Which That's is weird because they now had moments. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. We'll see how by, after so, a bye I mean, week goes. Matt Moore. Oh God. Uh, Matt Moore is probably the second-best quarterback they've had since Dan Marino. Like, that's sad. <laughs> I remember Jay Fiedler. Yeah, but if you go with Matt Moore, you better tank the season and plan on drafting a quarterback because that means Tannehill's days in Miami are done. Yeah, I think they are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, going division by division, you're right. I don't picture – I mean, the, 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 che- or the, uh, the Bengals are underachieving. The Browns, meh, obviously. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs. I like Alex Smith. I like Andy Reid, but I don't know how much far you can go in the uh, go Speaking with Miami Alex Twins, Smith in the playoffs. Has Sorry. there ever been a team year in and year out with Miami that has all this hype in the preseason and how they're going to make big moves and they're everyone's dark horse and they just underperform year after year after year? It's incredible to me. Every year the pundits talk about how they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to get a wild card burst and. And then they just they do nothing. They finish maybe six and ten. This year they'll be lucky if they get to six and ten. Um, yeah, I just want to think today that Mario Williams is being called out by his defensive coordinator for is everybody sitting down? A lack of effort. 
who saw that coming with Mario Williams? Who hasn't showed effort since 2014 in an in a NFL game where he's getting paid a lot more money than a lot of people in that league, let alone human beings get paid. Um, yeah, so I thought that that was kind of funny. But yeah, and so what about Andrew too? I haven't heard a piece from him since he went to Miami, except for you know stopping people's yeah, heads. Man, but got rich, got rich, stop trying. It's the fifty cent thing. It's it's, it's how it happened. So anyway, I wanted to get yeah. into Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck could be in that discussion for a for to take down Brady. But good gravy, is that the worst roster in the league? Not Chicago. Because, you know, I would even say if you put Andrew Luck on Cleveland, I think that's a – I think that might be a playoff team or damn close to it because I think Cleveland has a decent offensive line. I mean, they have pieces. They have Terrell Pryor, Corey Coleman before he got hurt. Uh, Isaiah Crowell is a good player. Um, you know, their defense – you know, whatever. I think Andrew Luck could overcome that. Uh, their defense, you know, has – they have a couple pieces. Joe Hayden's uh, is, uh, is when he's healthy in a league corner. So say hypothetically you put Andrew Luck on Cleveland. I think Cleveland's way, I think Cleveland might be a, maybe a playoff team, but that's how that's just a testament to how bad the Colts roster is. Outside of Andrew Luck and outside of Vontae Davis and, and the wide receivers, and you know they have a bunch of number twos, number twos and number threes. I mean T.Y. Hilton, you know he's he's a good player, but he's a number two. He's not a number one. He's not Andre Johnson in his prime. He's not Randy Moss. He's not you know any of these guys. He, he's he's a number two. So, that being said, how bad are the Colts? I mean, I think the Colts outside of the Bears are the worst roster in the league. I, I, I just don't even think it's close. Like, I, I just think that is a putrid, putrid roster. And like I said, people can um, bag on the, on the Browns all they want, but good – it's just they are, they are the worst roster in the league, I think, outside of Chicago. Definitely in the AFC. I like the Browns personnel a lot more than I like uh, the Colts personnel. I like the, I like the Browns staff better. I like, um, I like almost every position on the Browns better, except for maybe cornerback. And that's even debatable because Monte Davis and Joe Hayden cancel each other out. And then, you know, what do you have behind that? So that's me though. Um, uh, but the Colts, I mean, this Pagano yeah, I've, I've got to agree completely. in the next season. I mean, and I'll give Andrew Luck a ton of credit because he came out at a press conference and basically said, you know, it's not the offensive line's fault. I'm holding on to the ball too long, resulting in the sacks. And that's what – I mean, that's the kind of thing you want out of a leader, like just standing up and taking the bullets for his teammates and, you know, gaining a lot of respect for that. But, I mean, this isn't on Andrew Luck. He's just not getting time to throw the ball. People aren't getting open. And like you said, he just doesn't have the weapons. Like they, the GM has put an awful roster around him. And the guy should be an all-pro quarterback. And, you know, hopefully he doesn't get a major injury and lose more time because he's, he's getting killed back there. All right, Tony, I'm going to disagree with you on this Andrew Luck thing with the uh, with him being a good leader by doing that. He needs I, – I think as I – would, I would say if, if you take that entire organization, everybody from the HR to the payroll accountants to, to the trainers to the head coaches – Everybody in the Indianapolis Colts organization, all the way from Jim Irsay down to the, the guy that sells Dr. Pepper in the stands. Andrew Luck's the most valuable human being in that organization, right? He's the most indispensable. Oh, you could lose Jim Irsay, team's the same. You could lose anybody else in that organization, it's the same. You lose Andrew Luck, that's a completely different organization, right? Andrew Luck oh, needs absolutely. to step up and say – you guys need to do something to put more people around him. He needs to put pressure on ownership to put a better team around him because they just aren't. 
They just aren't. It was absurd to me that they ran Brian Gregson and Chuck Pagano back. He should call out ownership. He should call out the GM. He can't call out his offensive line, though, because those are the guys you're stuck with right now. If you alienate them, you think think you're getting sacked now? Alienate your offensive line. Let's see how the next next six weeks go for you. You'll end up on IR. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't didn't make that. My bad. Yeah, you're 100% right. That's not what I meant. What I meant is, like, it's good that he's taking all the blame on himself, and he definitely shouldn't include his teammates in that because I agree with you. He should be the voice for his teammates, but he's not really doing his teammates any favors either because that's still a losing organization. And as much as we don't want to see his career, you know, be wasted, he has teammates that probably don't want to see their careers wasted either on on a loser. You know, it, it's it's less yeah. exposure for he, them. Excuse me. It, it's just he he. I mean, he needs to call Jim Mercer out or at least privately do something because. It, it's that's that's a putrid team, and the run and the run Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson back when you had the opportunity from all accounts to get Sean Payton. Are you out of your mind? You get an elite yeah. head coach if you can. You get on. You call Nick Saban. You are not Nick Saban. Jesus, I sound like Colin Carter for a second. You, oh God, you get not on the phone. You call. You not Nick Saban. Sorry. You get on the phone and you call these offensive minds, man. Why? Why? Call yeah. call Chip Kelly. Call. Call you know whatever Brian Kelly. I guess I didn't realize that the same last name. I'm thinking about it, but get, do something. Why are you running it back with this this tandem that isn't working? It's so weird. Yeah, it is so bizarre to me. That's like Wells Fargo getting in trouble in two years and calling the CEO. They just like they forced to retire. You know, it's stupid. It's so it doesn't make any sense. So that to me is just a, a systematic problem with that organization, and, and it kind of sucks. I don't think his career is ruined because I don't think Peyton Manning had any uh, playoff wins between um, – I don't think he had any playoff wins in his first five years. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it could be. Bill Polian was running the organization back then, and uh, he's a lot smarter than, um, you know, than what they got going on right now. No, yeah, by far. I mean, look what he did with the Bills. Look what he did with the Colts. I mean, the guy's a Hall of Famer GM by far. I just knows how to build a team. But, yeah, the Colts, man, they're – God, they are a mess. And, like you said, he's the most valuable asset. You have to protect your asset. It's – by far, he's the best thing that they have. Protect the guy. Don't let him take a beating back there. thousand percent agree with you. It's 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 depressing. It's really depressing as a, as a football fan and a fan of Andrew Luck and a fan of talent that, uh, you know, he's he's just sucking wind down there. So, um, I don't know. That's that's really all I have to say about it. But, um, okay, here is a question I have for you now. Yes. And this has been a big one. Uh, Dak and Tony Romo, what do you do? Uh, here we go. You know, I've been – a lot of people have been asking me about this because, that, you know, most people know I'm a huge Cowboys fan, at least people that know me personally. I mean, it's great having Dak right now. It's amazing what he's been doing. But there's a huge difference between Dak, a potential rookie of the year, and Romo coming back as a, you know, as a Pro Bowl quarterback. If Romo is healthy, right. and I know that's a big if because I think he's, he's broken three bones in the last five games he's played, but if Romo's healthy, I want him in there as my starting quarterback. The playbook is fully open to him. He can make all the deep throws. He can get everyone involved in the offense. They're just so much more potent with him available. And my biggest fear, I mean, Dak is great at finding the open guy, dinking and dunking, moving them down the field. 
My biggest fear, especially this weekend with Green Bay, they get into a shootout. They play a team that can put 30, 40 points on the board against them, and all of a sudden you got Dak throwing, you know, 40 times a game. How good are his numbers going to look then, you know? I mean, he's going to start throwing interceptions. It's bound to happen. But when he has to start forcing it down the field and they can't rely on the running game and ball control, what do they do at that point? And that's why I want Romo in there. Makes sense. And uh, I think everybody's sort of quick to dismiss him, which is sad um, because he's had such a great career and he's been he – was, he was a great story when he first came uh, – when he first started – um, as an undrafted free agent, Bill Parcells sort of found him at uh, at uh, Eastern Illinois, and it, it, it's just it's just sort of sad that like everyone's just writing this guy off. He's been a great player for a long time. I mean, getting hurt isn't really necessarily his fault all the time. I do think that this yeah. last handful have been because he's trying to make something out of nothing when he could just go down. And I, you know, with age, I think that's where he sort of. I think that's where he sort of is uh, losing a lot of people is with his age. He's still trying to run around like he's 26, and he's not, and he's a little more fragile the older he gets and the more hits he takes and, and whatnot. So um, that being said, I thought it was And I'm you. also the biggest Romo fan. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to just say um, I, do, I do agree with you that Tony Romo it does, give him the, does give them the best chance to win as well as Dak is playing right now, I mean, Dak is essentially, he's a middle reliever, you know, right now. Uh, he's not a starting pitcher, and he's not a closer. He's a middle reliever. He's just sort of managing the game, you know, really just to be safe. Uh, so, uh, when Tony Romo comes back, I think, really, their best chance to get to the playoffs and possibly win a Super Bowl is on Romo's back. And good to know that if Romo gets hurt again, you do have that safety net, the safety net in a guy like Dak to come in and, you know, know the offense and, and play well. Um, and also, it's also good to know that you have a quarterback of the future um, while your quarterback of the present is still, you know, ha- still has some ability left. It's, it's sort of a good place to be um, if you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and if you think about it, Dak has been so mature about it. Thing it's Tony's team. When Tony comes back, he should start. I mean, they have Dak signed for four years. Dak's not going anywhere. I think he's smart enough and mature enough so far to realize that. I mean, Romo's got, at best, maybe two years left, especially the way his body's breaking down. Dak fully realized this is going to become his team. There's no reason to rush it now. But also, I will say, too, if for whatever reason, if they just decide Dak's playing great, let's say he goes into Green Bay and gets a win. I don't predict it. I'm hoping for it, but I'm 60-40 leaning toward Green Bay winning that game. Let's say Dak goes in there and they're like, all right, well, let's just let's just keep running with Dak until he loses. Let's say Dallas goes, you know, wins another two games in a row. At that point, just get Romo out of there then. Just trade him away if you're not – I don't have any plans of starting him again when he's healthy. I'd rather just maybe try to get a third-round pick or something for him. Don't keep him around just to waste away on the bench while Dak's going at it and becomes the new starter. And I don't think Romo, you know – I don't think it would become a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation where he'd be a headache or a distraction to the team. But, I mean, people forget, the, you know, the Quincy Carter years and how lean we were at quarterback, and they're so quick to criticize Romo. Like, give him his due, and he's at least earned a chance to come back and see what they can do and try to make a deep run at it, especially when, you know, in the NFL, that window closes so quickly. No, I agree with you. Hold on. 
Need me a filibuster for it? I haven't been sneezing. I've been sneezing almost that. No, no, no. I've been sneezing almost that entire time you're talking. I, I, my bad. Oh, no, sorry. The other no, thing with DAC that you don't want to do is, uh, yeah. It, no, 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 the other thing with Dak you want you don't want to do is erode his confidence by keeping him in there when he's not playing well. I mean, he is and there he is going to slump a little bit coming up. I mean, it's Philadelphia's defense. Cleveland plays hard. Pittsburgh is going to be a tough game for him. Baltimore is going to be a tough game. Washington has an okay defense. Then they go against Minnesota on a Thursday night. I mean, that's going to be a tough one. So it's he is facing a couple pressure filled situation, and you don't want to erode his confidence this early and have him end up a la EJ Manuel. You know. You don't want that. To yeah. So um, I definitely think the best bet is to run Tony Romo out there when he's healthy, uh, and and uh, you know and just see, just sort of see what happens, um, you know, with Romo's health, and then if nothing else, you have Dak available, and Dak has confidence, and Dak has the the it factor, all that fun stuff. But I think that he, uh, I definitely think the Cowboys are in probably the ideal situation when you have an old quarterback and you have a. a, a a rookie waiting in the wings that, you know, turns out to be a lot better than you bargained for. Um, and I think, I, I really think the Cowboys should be happy with the place that they're in, you know, regardless of which quarterback starts, they're going to be successful. And it's really hard to uh, argue against being in that situation. Oh, absolutely. And who's to say that Romo doesn't come back. I mean, they announced that he had an MRI. They say his back is fully healed. He's been throwing the football. He's getting back in the game shape. They fully expect him to start in a couple of weeks after the bye in Philly. Or, well, not in Philly, but against Philly. But who's to say he doesn't come back, takes another hit from a linebacker, breaks the clavicle again? That's like, unlike last year where, you know, the sky was falling on Thanksgiving, we, we now have Dak just step right in, just take over. And yeah, if that happens, so be it, you know? No, I agree with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to let you uh, put your final thought on it, but I do think Dallas is going to be a, uh, I, as of right now, I think they're the favorite to come out of the NFC East. I mean, even with Philadelphia playing well, um, I, I think that Dallas is, because of their offensive line, because of their running game, uh, because of their bend don't break defense, uh, that Rod Marinelli-led defense, I think that I think they're the favorite to come out of the NFC East right now. Um, and uh, I, I think Tony Romo, is only going to enhance that uh, enhance that opinion. I mean, Philly's doing some nice stuff. Carson Wentz is a good play, a good player, really, you know, and sort of you know, uh, impressive rookie like Dak. But I think that uh, I think that um, Dallas is set up definitely to uh, to uh, go a little further than Philadelphia this year, especially with Romo. They're 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 an eight with Romo. They're a seven, you know, six and a half, seven with Dak. So again, like I like I said four times, they're. They're in a place. They're in, they're in the perfect place. Um, if you're a if you're an NFL team, I mean, it's really hard to argue with where they're at. Yep. And the final butt kissing point I'll make about my Cowboys. One of the greatest things I've heard in life and in sports is to accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. And the Cowboys are doing a perfect job of that. Their negative is their defense. Their secondary is pretty much average. Their pass rush is almost non-existent, although we finally saw some last week with Demarcus Lawrence coming back off suspension. Their defense just cannot stop anyone. So what do you do? You ball control with the offense. You have these seven, eight, nine-minute drives. You run the ball. You eat up the clock. The best way to keep the other team's offense off the field 
And then if they just so happen to get a three and out, next thing you know, you got the Cowboys back on offense for another six, seven, eight-minute drive. Before you know it, the Cowboys have the ball twice, and the second quarter is halfway over. You're almost going to halftime. And that's the same philosophy that if they use it properly and then get a few breaks their way, maybe a turnover, they can go into Green Bay and possibly win. Like I said, I'm not expecting it. I'm hoping for it. But if they can, the best way to beat Rodgers, don't let him have the ball eight, nine, ten times in possessions in the game. Limit how much he has the ball and how much Green Bay can score with that own offense. No, I 100% agree with you. And um, I just want to sort of finish the show talking about the Bills. Um, and uh, this is our sort of Bills corner segment. Um, and, you know, what's good about that is that the Bills are actually interesting. Um, so that's a pleasure to talk about an interesting team because the Bills are uh, – what do you make of the Bills, Tony? I, I'm, I'm curious to get your, get your opinion, and I know when I have you on the show, you're, you can be non-biased and uh, not just be trolling the uh, Bills fans uh, we work with, but actually give an honest opinion on what you've seen from them so far this season. Yeah, I swear I don't. I don't try to purposely troll Bills fans. They just make it so easy sometimes. And it seems like the same story every year, where their optimism is at an all-time high. They're riding that three-game winning streak. Who's to say they don't win again this weekend? I mean, they got San Fran with Kaepernick starting. That looks like a train wreck. So they win that game. They won four in a row. And then there's a couple weeks New England comes into town and just rips their heart straight out of their chest and eats it in front of them. Brady is just the king of just backbreaking the Bills in every way imaginable. It's I, I, I truly root for the Bills. As much as I just give crap to Bills fans and I like to torment them with memes and with just jokes online about their team, I really want them to do well. It would be so great for that city, so great for that beleaguered fan base that hasn't made the playoffs since 1999. But it's I just don't see it happening. I, I feel like it's fool's gold these last few victories, you know, against New England with their third-string quarterback out in L.A., which I, I don't know what to make of the Rams. They're so hot and cold at times. You know, possibly against San Fran, they're, they're a terrible team. And then um, uh, their other victory, which is slipping my mind right now, seemed like fool's gold. Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Yeah, coming from west to east. I mean, I – if they beat New England at home, I'll I'll eat all my words and I'll fully admit that the Bills are a potential playoff team. But I, looking at their schedule ahead, I like I said, I just don't see it. I hope I'm wrong, but history is so far against this team that you just have to bet against them. Well, I wrote a Bills preview for Back Sports page where I had the Bills going ten and six. Um, I might get lucky and actually hit that bet. And I will tell you why. So here's the rest of their schedule. They're three and two. So let's just say hypothetically, San Francisco, uh, Buffalo wins four and two. That's a win at Miami. They should. That, these are all the games that they should win. All right, uh, at Miami. But knowing that Buffalo, they'll lose one. Yes. Um, so that's a win. So that's five and two. New England at home, uh, five and five and three. At Seattle, five and four. And then at Cincinnati, I think the Bills are a better team than Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati has not shown me anything. That run defense is putrid. Ezekiel Elliott's great, but, I mean, this dude, he, those holes he would have been ridiculous. down a lot of times on some of those. Yeah, I mean, he would. 
he would have been picking up 20 yard gains in flag football the size of those holes. It was ridiculous. So, um, yeah. and especially if McCoy's healthy, McCoy's going to run wild all over that team. Um, so we'll say, we'll say what, six and four, Jacksonville, seven and four, Oakland, seven and five, Pittsburgh, seven and six. Then they finish the so season with Cleveland. I'm, I'm dismissing Jacksonville. Um, then they finish the season with Cleveland, Miami, Buffalo, or excuse me, Cleveland, Miami, Buffalo, Cleveland, Miami, the Jets. All three are winnable games for them. So if they win the games they're supposed to, which you pointed out, they don't always, they'll lose one or two of those. And I think you're right. They're probably going to finish eight and eight, but 10 and six is what they should finish. And if they can steal one of those uh, non-winnable games, like the Oakland, Pittsburgh, Seattle, or New England game, uh, I, I really think they could be, uh, I, I really think they could be uh, 10 and six, nine and seven and probably, potentially sort of back into the playoffs a little bit, which would be kind of interesting. They really, really, I think, are going to look back in week one and regret not winning that Ravens game. I mean, obviously everyone's important, but I bet that win I was is just going to bring that up, towards the end of the year. Especially if Baltimore is in the wild card race and they have a uh, tiebreaker over the Bills, that loss, is that means so much right now. They would have been better off losing to Arizona or L.A. rather than the Ravens. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's an even better point because that Mike, Wall, all, all it was, man, is that one blown coverage on Mike Wallace. And I think that's the great part about the NFL is that one blown coverage on one fast guy getting thrown to by a guy with a rocket for an arm that can be <laughs> making the playoff and, and possibly, yeah. uh, getting out of the right moment and, uh, making a quick Super Bowl run like the Giants did twice, uh, you know, could be, uh, you know, could be the difference between that happening and you know sitting at home for the playoffs in cold ass Buffalo, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of interesting. So what I've seen from the Bills though, the last handful of weeks is they're just they're they're relentless pass rush. I, Rex Ryan's defense, I don't know what he's done to change it, um, but Rex Ryan's defense is looking like Rex Ryan's defense, which is good for the Bills. Um, they they're just generating sacks. They have an insane amount of sacks. I want to say. If I'm remembering correctly, I think they're hovering right around 15 or 16 sacks for the season, which is a Giants fan I'd kill for because I think the Giants combined have four sacks and two of which have come from the defensive backfield. So that's awesome. And um, I just think that's been good. I think that, you know, Anthony Lynn uh, taking over the offensive coordinator role for them, simplifying the offense after Greg Roman left. I think that was that that has worked really well. The offense looks a lot better, looks a lot smoother. It seems a lot simpler for the players, um, and they all seem to be big fans of it. And uh, he's been playing out of his mind the last two weeks. Tyra doesn't look great, but he's not he's not making any kind of crazy mistakes. He's not turning the ball over. He's not fumbling. He's not doing any of that. The receivers are you know for the most part catching catchable balls, which is good. And they're moving the chains. They're doing really well in third downs. That's 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 huge. They're playing a lot more disciplined. I, I just think all this stuff uh, since that Jets game, I think that's been think that's been huge. And all honesty, I know this is going to sound crazy, but there's a strong possibility the Bills actually could be five and zero right now. And I'll explain how. Uh, the big play oh, to Mike Wallace. I think they were they were they were they're huge in that game. And then that Jets game, they were in that Jets game. I. I I think that five day that five day rest thing, man. I think that messes with teams, especially aggressive blitz teams like the Bills. That the their defense moves a ton. The defense is on the well, field. Well, it didn't help either. I, I think the secondary looked like Swiss cheese against Ryan Fitzpatrick. It, that was ridiculous. I think he threw for what three hundred and almost fifty yards in that game. He did. He threw for three fifty, and then yeah, it's funny because Fitz then comes back 
what, two weeks after and throw six picks? Maybe the week after? Yeah. I forget when they played Kansas City. Yeah, he just – he looked atrocious. But it's weird. It's just so bizarre that um, – and I will say I'm not – I don't want that to make it sound like an excuse for the Bills because the Jets also had to travel. I mean, I'll, I'll be not that far. But they also had to travel, and they were playing on the same five-day rest. It's not like they were coming off a bye and the Bills were coming off like a four-day week. You know, it's, it is the same. But, I, I mean, I really think that Bill, both those games that the Bills lost were definitely winnable and were within their grasp at certain points in that game. Yeah, it just goes to show you, too, how much the NFL is just such a week-to-week league. Once you think you've got everything figured out, it just gets flipped on its head. It, it's amazing at times the way some teams lose to others, and there's just almost seems like there's no rhyme or reason to it. Oh, up until uh, week three, I you weren't going to convince me the Giants weren't going to come out of the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. And now, oh, boy. Oh, boy. They're going to fire everybody. They're going to yeah, blow they're up. Yeah, they're at the and, bottom uh, looking up. Looking up at Dallas and Philly. Hey. If they lose this week, that's <laughs> a very tough hill to climb. A massive hill. <laughs> a massive hill to climb. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel if they lose to Baltimore. I think they're a better team than Baltimore. But I, I think to use a, a term that you have uh, you might as well have coined at this point, I think the Giants might be full of gold. I, I really do. I think that they have massive holes at offensive line, uh, massive hole at running back. Um, and, I, I, I mean, I really don't know why Jerry Reese hates linebackers so much. I don't know. A linebacker must have slept with his wife. He must have walked in on a linebacker having sex with his wife. I have no earthly idea why this man hates hates linebackers. But the Giants have not had a good linebacker since uh, Antonio Pierce. Michael Bowley, maybe. Michael Bowley exactly wasn't exactly a pro bowler. Antonio Pierce, probably the last time the Giants had a good linebacker, and he was a free agent that Ernie, of course, he picked up from uh, Washington. So yeah, no, Boyle was just a cowboy killer. That's all he was. That guy gave me nightmares. Who was Bully? Yeah, yeah. Michael Bully was a good player for a while. Actually, he was a really good coverage linebacker. Um, he's the guy that broke Tony Color, Tony Romo's collarbone the first time. Um, I think Glenn yep. Gronkowski missed a block on him. And uh, yeah, but. Um, but, yeah, Michael Bowley is also the one that pointed out to the ref the intentional grounding, the 50-yard intentional grounding that resulted in the safety in Super Bowl 46 as well. I think he was the one pointing out, and I think that's how he got – I think that's how that play got called, or that flag got thrown, was by Bowley pointing out that Brady just threw the ball as hard as he could down the middle of the field to nobody, and uh, that's how that safety happened. So, yeah, Bowley was a good player, um, but – I think he was just sort of a, you know, just sort of a fill-in guy from Atlanta that actually turned out to be a way better player than the Giants anticipated. So, but I, I just, I just don't get it. There's the safeties. Uh, I think when, I think when Darian Thompson's back and he's healthy, I think the safeties are fine. Landon Collins has been playing pretty well this year. Um, Janoris Jenkins, I got to give him all the credit in the world. I mean, he's been playing lights out. Eli Apple and DRC have been hurt. I, that that hurts. There's just so many problems with the Giants right now, and I just don't, I, I. I they can overcome it. I think if their offense figures it out, I think they can sort of overcome it. But I, I just don't see when a guy like Carlos Williams is out there. Get him in. Get him on the practice squad like the Steelers did. See see what he has because, I mean, that guy had insane explosion. He's super, He's big. He He's fast. I mean, I know that pass protection is a little bit of an issue, but it's not like, you know, anybody on the roster right now that doesn't, it doesn't hurt. Is, is good in pass protection anyway. I mean, Shane Vereen was very good at that. Shane Vereen was a great third down back, one of the best third down backs 
in recent NFL history. But, you know, he's hurt. Guys get hurt. It happens. It's uh, but yeah. but bring a guy in, and it's like find somebody, do something. Like they can't keep trotting Bobby Rainey out, who I'm convinced is the worst player in the league. I've never seen that guy do anything outside of fumble the ball, miss pa- miss pass blocking assignments, and 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 not catch up passes or not be aware of what what the play is. Like I've just seen that guy make too many mistakes. And Orleans Darkwa, he's fine. He's a number three though. He's not you know he's he's not Ahmad Bradshaw. He's not Brandon Jacobs. He's not Rashad Jennings. He's not any of these guys. He's a okay change of pace guy that will come in and get you six yards a couple times. Then he goes right back to the bench. He'll get, you know, less than a hundred touches in a season. And they have a running back, Paul Perkins, but he doesn't know all the pass blocking assignments. And I mean, he's a ball of talent, but he just, you know, he doesn't know yet. And that's, he's, he's a young back. They can't all be as powerful as Ezekiel Elliott, man. And it sucks that the Giants waste all this money on defense and they're not going to have any money this off season. But I don't know. Maybe they can beg Eli to restructure and do something, but they just can't trot this team out again next year and not make any improvements to the running game or the linebacking core and expect to be successful. It's just, it's ridiculous watching this. It's just, it gets frustrating. I love the difference three weeks makes, how you're so, you're so optimistic. About I can't wait to go back and listen. And now you're just so <laughs> doom and gloom. Uh, it, it's oh, it's three really weeks makes all the difference thinking. in the world. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's so different from week one when, you know, your Giants beat my Cowboys. and It was doom and gloom for me. I'm like, oh, we got a rookie quarterback. We lost by one. Yeah, I think if they play that game yeah. nine times out of ten now, the Cowboys win that game. They just – it's all about timing. In the I NFL. agree. You got, you got Dak as a rookie in his first NFL game. And they, only, they only beat him by one. You play that game again, and I got the Cowboys by at least seven. The thing that Dak has, though, is that he never – Dak never turns the ball over. Never turns the ball over. That is yeah, such which means a the world. luxury. Yeah, it does Especially mean the world. Especially with a terrible defense. Tyrod. You don't give up a short field. No. And this is why I think Tyrod doesn't get enough credit. Tyrod does not fumble. He does not throw picks. That's 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 insanely valuable. And, and again, I know we're, we're sort of all over the map here, but to call that guy the fourth-best quarterback in the AFC East is just so egregious to me. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a turnover machine. Ryan Tannehill is terrible. Tyrod's by far yeah. the second best. Well, let's say third best because I think Jimmy G's better too. But, you know, sorry. Of the starting quarterbacks in the AFC East, he's definitely second. Third overall. I don't know. I might put him behind Edelman. I might put him at fourth. But that's just going to be a shot that builds fans. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You know, if any of them believe that, I think that's even funnier. Um Hey, it's okay. Right, uh, Bills so, fans can brag about their win last year against the Cowboys, you know, when they played Kellen Moore at quarterback. Because, you know, that's that's such a signature victory for them. I always have said is that if you put Kellen Moore's brain into Jay Cutler's body, I think you have the best quarterback in the NFL, by the way. I really feel that way. That dude is one of the yeah. smartest guys ever. He's so good at anticipating where his receivers are going to be. He was just actually a lot of fun to watch. Um, for a uh, unathletic, short, slow white guy with no arm to watch play quarterback in college, because no matter where his receivers turned, that freaking ball was fluttering towards him and not getting intercepted. I mean, that guy just was—he was so good at that, but he just does not have the physical gifts to to be a viable NFL starter. But mentally, he's he's incredible. Uh, Jay Cutler, the complete opposite. Mentally, you know, he's he's you know, got the, uh, got the ability of a squirrel mentally. Like he doesn't know what's going on ever. It seems like he seems like a complete a-hole. And then 
but he has arm talent. I mean, he's probably top five in the league as far as arm talent goes. But he's yeah. an absolute dumpster fire emotionally. I mean, did you see? I mean, all I had to know about Jay Cutler is when his wife put that put their text chain on uh, Instagram and was like laughing at him. He couldn't even handle his kids. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was he couldn't he emotionally he couldn't handle like babysitting all three of his kids over a weekend. And his wife was trolling yeah. him about it on uh, on social media. It was hilarious. Um, but uh, but anyway. Um, all right, so let's go uh, with our, uh, uh, our, a quick our, update our for sponsored. You. Go ahead. Uh, halftime of the uh, San Diego Denver game. San Diego is up ten to three, and uh, our boy there, Philip Rivers, against Denver's defense, fourteen to twenty, one hundred and forty-eight yards and one touchdown. Oh, San Diego! I mean, I didn't. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, by comparison, Trevor Simeon coming back from injury, six of eleven, thirty-nine yards passing. So, really glad I started Demarius Thomas. He should be killing it at this point. All right, can we point out that obnoxious trade offer you got today? I I I almost threw my phone out the window when I felt like, is there people really out there that are that dumb? Oh God, yeah. Well, it was uh, T.J. Yeldon, and um, oh, I can't remember the other guy. Yeah, I think it's Brent Selick. Took a picture of it. It was so ridiculous. Like, I'm almost I, positive T.J. Yeldon and Zach Ertz for David Johnson or Brent Selleck and, and T.J. Yeldon. It was one of the Eagles tight ends. It might have been Ertz. Yeah. Ertz and Yeldon oh, wait, for right uh, David Johnson. Was, yeah, Yeldon and Ertz for David Johnson of of Arizona. And oh. uh, I texted a mutual uh, friend of ours, or well, not of ours, but uh, this guy in my league and mine, and uh, yeah. he's like, yeah, my buddy doesn't really know a ton about football. He's just I mean, did you think I was blind? I would just hit accept. Like, even if you add up the numbers, it doesn't make sense. And any, any all right. Well, if he fashion. doesn't know a lot about football, then I'll give him a pass. Now I feel bad, but like, yes, I don't. Oh, I think man. he knows enough because I countered <laughs> with um, Latavius Murray and uh, I think Blake Bortles for Matt Ryan, and he wouldn't bite on it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Oh well, then oh, yeah, yeah, he deserves to get trolled. Then good. Um, yeah. Right, other thing is we have to have our we have to have our egregious bet of the week. So um, look at the schedule. Oh. I'll look up the line, oh. and then I we will. These. If I get one more Ken Bone meme, I'm going to kill myself. I love how Barstool made fun of him for completely selling out. That was that was a great little article. Barstool. If people don't follow <laughs> Barstool Sports on Twitter or Facebook, Barstool. every day they Barstool's have two or three just like. Best post of the day. That bar stool just absolutely crushes it. I got to give a, a big shout out to them. They they make my day when I'm bored at work. They're hysterical. Yes, I agree. All right, so I'm looking at some of these lines. Um, the Patriots are nine point favorites over the Bengals. Um, oh God, Jags, 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 Bears. The Bears are two point, two and a half point favorites. Wow. Um, that Bill is nine understand. point favorites I over the. Take Jacksonville in that game all oh. day. Bills the are Bears nine are favorites over the Niners. The Bills are nine, nine point, point favorites? favorites over the Niners. I don't man, that's a slap in the face of Chip Kelly if I've ever seen it. Holy hell. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a lot for the wait. So the Patriots are how many point favorites over the Bengals? Seven and a half over uh Cincinnati. And the and the Bills are eight point favorites over the Niners or nine point? Nine. Nine. Three field goals. 
Dude, I take the Niners <laughs> with the points. I, 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 the Niners are tough. I don't think the Bills are going to kill them. All right. Um, What's the Cowboys' Packers mm, line? Got to be probably Packers by four. Three and a half. Oh, that was close. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, uh, what, I already oh, looked at all of them. Guessing. There are a lot of really good games this week. Uh, Falcons at Seattle. What's that line? Seattle by six. Uh, yeah. I might take the Falcons as a dog. I might go on a one. Matt Ryan. All right, which one do you want to bet this week? So we we have to we have to bet one every we have to bet one every week. Um and we'll do a point. So which one do you want to bet? Do you want to bet I the like we should just go no. with like the worst matchup, like LA versus Detroit? Yeah, oh, that would be more interesting. You sure Cleveland, Tennessee? Yeah, I just thought that I was gonna say Cleveland, Tennessee is much worse. <laughs> Tennessee's a seven point favorite over Cleveland. I'm gonna take Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, more established podcasts would pick the best game of the week. You know, here as this little <laughs> yeah. rinky dink, punk of junk. You know, we're gonna pick the worst game of the week. Yeah, we're gonna pick the worst game of the week to make it a little more interesting for ourselves. So, what do you want to bet on yeah. this week, Tony? How many push ups do I owe you? Thirty. Yeah, you're up to like forty, dude. You you want to bet in a while with me? Okay. Not not since the time I had to wear an Eli jersey when the Cowboys lost. Uh, that was God. Yeah, that was a year ago. It was, yeah. No, that was yeah, that was a year ago. That was last football season. So um, okay, so what's the line at Cleveland, Tennessee? Seven, Tennessee by seven. Tennessee by seven. I'll take yeah. Tennessee. You know what? I'm gonna ride the Demarco Murray train. All right, so you're taking Tennessee and the points. So yep, Tennessee has to win by more than seven uh, for you to win this bet. Tennessee can't win outright. They have to win by seven or more. Yep. to cover the line, so that's fine. I am taking – that's fine well, no, with me. Well, Tennessee wins by I will seven, take... then it's a push. If they win by more than seven, then I win the bet. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's yeah, yeah, I'm, my bad. I, I, I mean, yes, it is. You're right. Um, so then nothing okay. happens if that happens. If Tennessee wins by exactly a touchdown. That's why I think all these should be half points. But um, anyway, yeah, so yeah I'll agree. take the Browns. I'll take okay, the Browns. Yeah. You take Tennessee take and the points. That's fine with me. Yeah. All right, that game just got interesting, finally. Yeah. You know what, though? That's the type of game where it has no reason being good, but it'll just be some crazy shootout, I bet. There's yeah. always that weird game All on right, the so schedule where, like, going in, you're like, ah, I've never watched this in a million years. And you're like, oh, that turned out to be the best game of the week. It it could be, actually. It really could be because, um, boy, Terrell Pryor, God, I, Dude, the Patriots have to be one. Mike Lombardi was like the, a special assistant to Bill Belichick or whatever the hell last year. Even he said that he that that they missed on Terrell Pryor. Uh, could you imagine yeah. Terrell Pryor and what, just what they could do with um, what they could do with him on the Patriots? God, they need that guy on their offense. He's See, so freaking versatile. That's great about the Patriots, though, is for every time they miss, they hit five or six, so it doesn't really end up costing yeah. that badly. You know, it's they're still an AFC favorite. They're still going to be fine. I mean, yeah, it'd be great if they had Terrell yeah. Pryor, but even without them, they're they're doing fine. That's why they're an elite franchise, and Cleveland is Cleveland. For every one home run Cleveland right. hits with Terrell Pryor, they have, you know, 10 strikeouts. Yep. 
All right, so Tony, we're gonna have to, you and I are gonna have to have a phone date. We might have to do it. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow if I'm not uh, riding with somebody tomorrow. If I'm not training, and uh, or you know, definitely Monday. But we're gonna have to figure out a phone date because we gotta try. I think what we're gonna, we should do is we should try what you were talking about uh, for the podcasting. And I'm actually saying this on the show more or less to remember because I don't have my pen and paper in front of me, and um, I'll listen to this and uh, sort of remember what the hell we were gonna do. So we're gonna do the podcast thing uh, that you suggested. Uh, maybe not the Skype part of it, but I definitely think we look into that at a certain point. Yeah. We're trying to figure out the bandwidth stuff with the website um, in its current incarnation. I know it's being worked on currently. Um, the guy that runs our website, Randy, who is, I think, simultaneously doing a show as we do one, um, He, uh, I know he's he's looking into that for us so we can do the Skype thing. But I think we do an entire NBA preview before the season, um, and we do it on this new – platform that uh that you're looking to do for us so um i think we uh talk about that i think we plan on when we're going to do it and i think we sort of set aside maybe an hour and a half and we knock one out we knock an nba preview out we're not going to preview every team we're gonna only going to preview the interesting teams and then you and i when we talk we'll figure out which teams are the interesting ones and just sort of knock out a uh, maybe we do two maybe we do an eastern conference and a western conference something like that and maybe we actually do all of them and I know there's a few teams we could just sort of breeze right past, but there are some interesting yeah. non, you know, the elite teams. I, I think the Bucks are interesting this year. I think the Pacers are interesting this year. Um, sucks for the Sixers that uh, Simmons is out, but I mean, Jalil, or, um, uh, what's his name is playing. I'm drawing an absolute blank. I'm not in NBA mode right now, so I apologize. There was Noel. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is playing. Um, oh, he's back. Yeah. Um, so, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in the NBA this year, so we want to talk about it. And um, I will also say on the show that I am 1,000% announcing my Knicks fandom until um, <clears throat> until uh, Joakim Noah is off the team. I am That guy made me sick with his military comments. Um, he's uninformed. He hates his country from all accounts. He's not very patriotic, which is his right, and that's fine. Um, and very rarely do I get offended by anything that a celebrity says or an athlete says. But I thought that that was absolutely egregious, and he just said it for shock value. He has no basis to say what he said. And if anyone is unfamiliar, when um, offered to do a benefit uh, uh, sort of thing, I think it's like a lunch with military members, he declined not to do it, which is his prerogative. But to say what he said, which was, I don't understand kids killing kids, that's just ignorant and uninformed and not the fact that he has that opinion it's the fact that his opinion is so far from the truth um that bothers me because anybody that knows me or listen to the show when i talk about colin kaepernick although i disagree with you know his protests and the way he was going about it initially i respected his right to do so and i definitely didn't i didn't say anything bad about him but i will say something bad about joe noah which is f that guy because that is just absolutely ignorant for the sake of being ignorant he doesn't want to know he doesn't care to know so you know whatever yeah, I got there's the one thing um you can be against war and i understand that but at the very least you gotta yeah. support the truth and like people defending your freedom <laughs> like it is right. total ignorance the guy's a clown and it's and it's a choice he'll probably I end think, up sitting on the bench ignorance. most of the year he'll end up getting hurt yeah but I think his – I think his – see, where I'm bothered by it is his ignorance was a choice. That was a choice to be ignorant. Kaepernick, I don't think he knew at first what he was doing. And the fact that he took steps in order to say, hey, this isn't against the troops, this is against police brutality, and how can I 
you know, make it so I'm still supporting the troops, but still, um, you know, protesting the uh, what I want to protest. Uh, um, I, I think that that I think that's the difference. I think I think the the, the wanting to know his his protest evolving. I, I think I, I can respect that. Again, it's not you know it's not something I can even comment on as a white male. Like it's not my place to comment on it. And I definitely think sitting was was the wrong way to go about it. But the fact he showed and the and the stupid pig socks with the cop hats on him, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. But the fact that he's shown maturity since then, and he's sort of, yeah, he's sort of um, so shown, shown that he's a grown up. That, that to me is the difference. Joakim Noah just blatantly, blindly saying what he said, F that guy, I have nothing good to say about him or the Knicks. And I'm not even going to get into the Derek Rose thing because that's, that's getting weirder and weirder every time stuff comes out about it. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, I'm yeah, we'll save it for that. But uh, but yeah, uh, you got anything else before we go, Tony? Uh, real quick, I try to make a thing of it. Uh, you know, something uh, what to watch for, something just out there, but somewhat sports related. Um, I don't know if you've seen yep. this, but uh, the NFL did a timeline episode on NFL Network about Peyton Manning's 2013 season and preparing for it. And I just saw this clip today. There is a clip of Peyton and Eli down at Duke University playing basketball, playing the uh, the old grade school game of knockout against each other, and it is one of the most yeah. hilarious things I have ever seen. You, ha- I sent you the link. You have to go and watch this. It is pure gold. Are they good? Uh, just watch it. I'm not, I don't want to spoil it for you. It's just amazing. I don't know if you remember the game of knockout, but basically, like, you each have a ball. One guy starts at the top of the three-point line, shoots the three, yeah, I know. He knockout, hits it. Yeah. The guy has yep. to match it. Yeah, but it's just Peyton and Eli going at it. Peyton with his full dad bod, running around chasing the basketball. I remember too, this is the 2013 season where he broke the record for passing yards and touchdowns, yeah, yeah. and it's just it's pure amazing. Anything Peyton does in any form outside of football is just pure gold at this point. The commercials, playing pickup games. I had the other clip, too, where, uh, you know, we talked about it before, where uh, Peyton's watching game film with Eli, and Eli is eating a bag of potato chips, and it's being loud and annoying, and Peyton just gives him the dust there. I mean, it's just it's pure gold, those two together. I I will watch an entire reality show with those two. Yeah. I'm actually watching it now as you talk. It's ridiculous. Um, why does oh, Peyton so Manning good. feel the need to tuck in every single shirt he owns? You know what? I will say Eli's jumper looks a lot better than than uh, than Peyton's. Peyton Manning and Peyton is my really father. Does have a if dad, he man. was six foot four, could actually throw a football. Like that's how my my dad dresses. Like you know, tucks his t shirt into his shorts, wears the high knee socks. Just a ridiculous white guy. That's that's what Peyton is. He's he's someone's father that had the ability to play quarterback. That's a good point. Um, that makes a lot of money. Um, uh, okay, on that note, I will just also point out um, I just got an update from an app called Smart News, which is actually kind of a I, – I, I like it. That's why I go to look at all news because Yahoo just depresses me sometimes. So I go to the Smart News thing, and uh, we're going to end the show on this. The the update I just got, man interrupts bear sex, pays the price. I don't know what that's about. I'm not going to read it. I don't care that he interrupted bear sex, but it's, it's pretty funny that uh, that was the update I got from – what I thought was a reputable news app for my phone. And um, 
I'll just start go. I'll go back to getting my news from uh, Barstool again. That's where I should have just stayed. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I give up. I can't wait to listen um, to my morning show and have them talk about that tomorrow for sure. Yeah, I look forward to it um, as well. So, all right, I am Bill Kegel. That's Tony, whatever. And um, this is uh, wow, under the thanks, hoodies. Thanks for and... using the last name. I appreciate it. Really do. No, I'm never using your last name again. I should start calling you like uh, DeColi or something like that. I'll start giving you. I'll that'll be a running uh, gag. I'll just start jacking your name up on purpose. Uh, Tony D. Ecoli. Sure. Um, next time I see you. Tony Ricola. Um, all right, man. Or just Tony from the. Good Q's talking to you. Good. Tony Cuse. <laughs> Tony two yeah. times. All right, Tony's going to get the papers. Yeah. Get the papers. All right, love that movie. All right, man. Have fun. Good talk. And uh, well. this is Bill Kegel and Tony. What are we? We are out. Hit the post again. <laughs>